I don't know if you know this, but our church supports missionaries that go all over the world and literally are in every part of the world. But we also uh, have not overlooked the deaf in the world, that we fully fund missionaries that are ministering to the deaf in, in, our, in our world. I love that. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm thankful that you're joining us today. And I, I do want to remind you that I know if you were here at the beginning of the service, you saw the announcement that on February 21st, we're having our baptism event. And if you haven't been baptized, it's a great opportunity to, to follow the Lord in baptism. You know, um, a person is saved when they come to faith in Christ. But baptism is an important step in obedience after that takes place. And if you haven't followed through in baptism, it's a perfect time to do that. You know, if you're watching online, you can uh, uh, email me at chris, uh, C-H-R-I-S, at fbcowasso.org. Or if you uh, are in the room and wanna, want, need to do that, this is a great time to do that. You know, this week's been a pretty cool week in the life of our church. Um, we had dinner with the pastor on Wednesday night, and at dinner with the pastor, two things took place that have never happened before. And, and I just, I want you to know about it. It's just super cool. Um, first of all, dinner with the pastor, we, it was the first time we had to translate into Spanish at our dinner with the pastor. That's how you join our church, is we do this every six weeks or so, and you go through this process, and, and it was the first time that we had, to, we had to bust out some Spanish at dinner with the pastor. We, it was super cool, it was, it was so fun, because God has moved us this year to expand not only in English, but in Spanish. And this last dinner with the pastor was the first time we had Spanish, which was way, way cool. But there was something else that happened, and I, I just wanted to tell you about it. Um, for the first time, we had two people that came to dinner with the pastor that had never been in our building. They had been connecting with us online. And it was the first time, their first time to walk in the door was at dinner with the pastor. So you know what? If you're watching online, look, you can, we're, you can connect with us. And, and I, I pray that, you know, you have to work to connect with the church, whether you're here in the room or we're in your living room. Uh, but I just think it's really neat that the Lord is allowing us to overcome some of these barriers that COVID craziness is, is, is putting in front of us. And um, so I wanted you to know that. You know, we're in Colossians. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're, gonna, we're starting chapter 2 today. And, and if you are new to us today, we, we are in the middle of this book of Colossians, which is a letter written by Paul to this church in Colossae, this city. And, and it's in the first century. And, and, and kind of one of our practices in our church, we kind of walk through a book of the Bible. Now, uh, most of the time when we come together on Sunday mornings, we're walking through a book. Now, Colossians is a really important letter uh, given to us. It's very relevant even to 2021. And, um, and all the Bible's relevant to today. But, but Colossians is interesting. And there's, there's a main point when you think about the book of Colossians that you just can't miss. And, and so if you've been visiting, if you're, if you're new today, I don't want you to miss this point. But this, the, the glaring message of the book is, is, is this, that God is not just prominent but Christ is preeminent. And then that's one of the main messages that, that when you look at the book of Colossians that you just can't miss. And, it's, and, and this is an important truth. That, that, that Now, preeminent is not a word that we use very often. 
Uh, it doesn't fly off our lips, probably not this week in our walk through life. We haven't probably busted out preeminent in your, in your dialogue this week. But the reality is it's an important word. Christ is not just prominent, Christ is preeminent. And that means that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is supreme, that, that really, when you think about the God and, and belief in God, it's articulating this idea that, that, I, that is absolutely true, that there's only one God in the world. There's only one God that every other idea of a deity or God, those are man-made and they're empty. But, but when it comes to the reality of the world, there's one creator, one God, and it's Christ. And, and, and another word that I've been using in this series is this idea of syncretism. Because this is a pressure that we are facing, that, that all around us, we, we live in a world that is pushing us to syncretism. Now, syncretism is the idea that, hey, let's, uh, let's take ideas of God and just kind of syncretize them into the, the very best of one another because we can, we, we're just all the, it's all the same anyway. And that's a, a prominent uh, idea in our world that, that Christianity is just one of the options on the buffet line of religious belief. But, but when we look at the Bible and understand the Bible, we, we see that there's really only one God in the world. That Christ is, is not just prominent, Christ is preeminent. And, and to miss Christ is to miss God altogether. And this is an important revelation of Scripture. And, and I don't want you to miss God in your life. I don't, want to, I don't want us to fall into the pressure of, of syncretism because when you think about the uniqueness of Christianity, Christianity is completely unique among all the beliefs about God. Because religion, what is religion? And I've said this a lot. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. And if you look at the history of religion in the world, mankind has been really creative in discovering ways to try to get God to accept you. But Christianity tells a different story. Christianity tells the story of not man trying to get to God, but it tells the story of God coming to man. And this is the uniqueness of Christianity. Now, when you, when you look at the book of Colossians, we see over and over again this challenge, don't miss Christ. Don't miss the fact that Christ is not just prominent, Christ is preeminent. And, and, and we see this mystery, and, and over and over again, you hear in the book of Colossians, this mystery, and last week we looked at this mystery, and what is it? It's the fact that Christ lives in us. And that's the amazing reality of salvation, that when you come to Christ, what happens? Christ moves inside of you, lives inside of you. And that's incredible. It's an incredible reality of, of, of Christ living with you, strengthening you, how helping you, walking with you, convicting you, guiding you, providing for you, protecting you. This is what Christ does as he lives in us. And, and, and it's a, an incredible revelation and reality and a mystery that God would come inside of you and live you, in you. Now look at verse 1, Colossians 2 verse 1. He starts out and he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. 
and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell. And he's like, man, I wish I could see you. And, he's, and he loves Laodicea. That's a city that's real close to Colossae. And he's like, man, I wish I could travel to you, but I can't. And, but he's writing to encourage them. He says in verse 2, that, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. He's going, I, I'm writing you this letter to encourage your heart. To, to help you see how Christ has moved in you, that he knit you together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So again, you see this idea of Paul saying, look, know that Christ is preeminent. Paul's helping the church understand the incredible benefits of knowing Christ, of walking with the Lord. And, and, and I want you to know, I think we need to realize how much God loves us. You know, I, I would argue that some of us walked in this room. And if I was to say to you, do you know how much God loves you? You might go, well, well man, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've messed up. I've made some mistakes. Man, Chris, look, if I'm really honest and I put all my junk up on the screen for everybody to see, I'd be like, I don't know that God would really love me. But, but, but see, in my life, I've, and, and I think Paul is trying to help the church at Colossae understand this. I've learned so many blessings come to my life when I understand simply this point, number one, is, is, is when I accept the truth of God's love for me. And, and I want to ask you, have you come to the point where you have accepted the truth of God's love for you? Don't you know how much God loves you? I mean, that's what Paul's trying to help the church to understand. God loves you so much. And, and no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you walked in the room with, I want you to know God loves you. And it's difficult sometimes for us to accept the truth of God's love for, for us. But we need to. We can have full assurance, it says. Look at that, full assurance. Your heart may be encouraged, that you're knit together in love, that you can reach all the, the riches of the full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know how much God loves you, right? John three sixteen. You could probably quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God loves you so much that he will give you, he's given us the gift of eternal life. That when death happens, it's not the end. It's the, we, we begin that journey of eternal life. You know Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though you were a sinner, Christ died for you. You, you know, I, I, love, I love 1 John 4, 19. This says, we love because he first loved us. And, and if I could, let's, let's just process for a minute how much God loves us, how much God loves you. Do you realize that God's love does not depend on your performance? I mean, today's the Super Bowl. I wore my ambassador jersey. This is my, uh, uh, people said, what's the A? It's ambassadors. This is my, I, I get to be zero on the team because uh, 
No one wanted zero, so I took it because I, I, uh, the ambassadors is the baseball ministry that we started several years ago. And if you ever want to talk to me about it, you'll need about 45 minutes because I'll just word vomit all over you about it because uh, I just love the ambassadors. Um, but you know, we're watching the Super Bowl today and we like high performers. We like to see these performers play. But, but I want you to recognize God's love for you does not depend on your performance. And this is so important to understand. You can have full, full confidence and strong hearts. You can have assurance of God's love. You can have th- this knowledge of God is available, the wisdom for life. He reminds us that, that, that God's love, God accepts you, not on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of what Christ did for you. And this is one of the most incredible truths that people have a hard time understanding because we know our failures, we know our mistakes, but I I want you to know that whatever you walked in this room with, whatever struggles you have, God accepts you who, for just as you are, warts and all. And I, I was blown away at the, at, at when, when God called me to come to him. He didn't tell me, get everything together and then come to me. No, God says, come just as you are. He takes you warts and all, and he loves you. And his love is not based on your performance. I want you to also understand that God's love for you is permanent. I mean, Paul is writing, I want you to have full assurance of God's, of his love. I want you to grow in the knowledge of his love. I want you to recognize this mystery of Christ being in you. And you realize that that love for you is permanent. Like Romans 8. I would challenge you, memorize Romans 8. We have a group of students that, that we are working with that we're memorizing Romans 8. Romans 8 is such a powerful passage, powerful chapter in the Bible. But Romans 8, 38 and 39, look at this. It says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for you is permanent. And it's interesting as Paul gives us this list here, he says, death can't separate you from the love of God. That the day you die, you're not gonna be separated from the love of God. He says, life can't do it. Life cannot separate you from the love of God. Your failures, your struggles will not separate you from God's love. Angels can't do it. Who is Satan? Satan is a fallen angel. Angels can't separate you from the love of God. He doesn't have the power to do that. Principalities, these rulers, that's a kingdom. That can't separate you from from God's love. Powers can't do it. That's authorities can't separate you from the love of God. He He says things present can't separate you from the love of God. That's anything that happens today will not be able to separate you from the love of God. He says things to come can't separate you from the love of God. Isn't that cool? No matter what is ahead of us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He says heights, that means everything in heaven, depths, that's everything in hell. And just in case he, he forgot something, Paul says, nothing can separate us. Nothing in all creation has the ability to separate you from the love of God. And I want you to see, Paul is writing to this church going, look, nothing can separate you from God's love. And I'm grateful 
And, and I did a study on the Greek. It says right there, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know what that word nothing means in the Greek? It means nothing. That's what it means. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Look at verse 4 in chapter 2. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Paul's writing, you need to understand the love of God because there are plausible arguments that that are going to come against you that's going to cause you to question the love of God. That's going to cause you to question these uh, that Christ is living in you, that Christ accepts you. And he says, I say this, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For verse verse 5, for though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And Paul's like, look, when I look at you, I see some strength in you. I see some power in you. And and I see that in our church. I see our church facing these difficulties going, look, let's stand firm in Christ. Let's stay loyal to what God's word says. Verse verse 6, yeah, verse 6, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And this is the call. For us to walk with the Lord. This was a tough time in the city of Colossae. These believers were challenged to walk with the Lord. I believe God is saying that to us too. Look, these days are too crazy. And life is too short for us not to walk with the Lord. And he says, I want you to walk with him rooted, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So he's like, look, you've got to continue in this journey. Continue to see Christ as Lord. And and what's interesting, Paul was in prison. He's writing this from a prison cell. And what Paul's doing is he's being a good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? At some point, a good shepherd is going to have to protect from the wolves. And what Paul is doing right here, he's saying, look, there are some wacky philosophies coming your way. And I would say the same is true for us. Look, we've got a, I want to allow Paul to be a good shepherd to all of us, to, to protect us from, from the wolves. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some of these wolves that are attacking the church. And this empty philosophy is one of them. We've got to understand the Bible's very clear on this, that any belief that is contrary to, to Christ, it's empty. It's an empty philosophy. It's an empty belief. And this is why we've got to constantly be coming back to to, to the reality that God means what he says in his word. That his word is true. And and there's there's something that Paul does in the book of Colossians that that is something we don't don't need to miss. If you've been with us in, in all of chapter one, what has he done? He's taken chapter one and says, I want you to see Christ. I want you to see how he's preeminent, how, how he demands our loyalty, how he is in us. He spent the whole first chapter pointing to Jesus. And then chapter two, he turns to these threats that are coming our way. Now, that's, a, that's an important lesson for us to learn. Because point number two is this, the best way to defend the truth is to know the truth, Right? The best way we're going to defend the truth of God is to know the truth. And, and, and so often when these philosophies come our way, we want to learn about the philosophies and learn how to battle those ideas. But where we need to be, go first 
is to Christ, is to what the truth says. You know, I've told you about Mickey Maroney before. Mickey Maroney was one of our youth workers in Oklahoma City at Council Road Baptist Church where I served for 19 years. And, and Mickey was super cool. He taught 10th grade boys for us. Um, it was tragic. He was killed in the Murrah bombing. Uh, and, and, but before he was killed, um, he was one of our 10th grade boys Sunday school class teachers. And, and Mickey was so cool because he guarded President Reagan a long time ago. He worked downtown Oklahoma City in the counterfeit division. And, and, uh, and one day he comes to a 10th grade boy Sunday school class and he brought 10 $100 bills. And he passed them all out. And they were like, sweet. I don't know if any of these boys had seen a $100 bill before. But, but they were looking at it and he says, all right, boys, one of these is real. And if you can pick it, you can have it. He goes, the other nine, I've taken this from our, our uh, uh, this is illegal that I took it, so i got to take them back, uh, and you will not leave here with the, with the fake $100 bills because you will go to jail. But if you can pick the real one, you can have it. And so these guys were like combing over these $100 bills. I think there were five of them in the class that day. That was a good day to come to Sunday school, right? And, uh, and so they were looking at those $100 bills, and, and, and all of them picked one. And uh, one by one, Mickey said, that's not real because of this. And he starts pointing out all five of them picked the wrong one. And they were bummed. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking all the $100 bills with me. Thank you very much. Um, but they were looking at him going, Mickey, how did you know? And he said, well, I've spent so much time studying the real thing that when I see something that's false, I immediately recognize it. And see, this is a great lesson. This is what Colossians does. He spends the whole first chapter saying, let's look at Jesus. Now we can deal with the threats. And there's a lesson to be learned there. Look, we've got to read God's word. I want to challenge you to know what the word of God says. So sometimes we think we know what the word of God says. But, but we've got to do more than just think. We've got to know what his word says. We need to read it. We need to study it. This is why we work so hard at, on Sunday mornings to come and say, let's gather around the Word of God. Because you don't need my, my great ideas. That'll, you'll run out of, out of wisdom real fast if you just look at what Chris Wall says. Now let's look at what God's Word says. And, and we need the Word of God. We need to learn to study it. We need to learn to, we need to, learn to interpret it, to understand it. We also need to memorize it. We, we need to memorize the Word of God. You know, we live in a day with Google that we don't memorize as well anymore, do we? Let's work on memorizing the Word of God. I'll tell you, one of the most powerful things I've experienced in my walk with the Lord is memorizing the Word. That's been the most powerful victory over temptation. That's been the greatest source of encouragement in my life. Let's memorize the Word. And Paul's teaching us some incredible lessons here. But look at verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Notice that. He's like, hey, see to it. Hey, you better, hey, make it happen. Make sure you're paying attention to this. We, we got to be intentional. If you're going to see to something, you're, you're going to focus on it. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He says, see to it that, that, that you're not being duped 
And then look, here's the deal. Satan's going to attack, going to attack people, believers, followers of Christ, people that don't know Christ. Satan is going to come against people, and it's empty. Everything apart from Christ is empty. And this is why the world needs Jesus. This is why we've got to be bold as a witness for Christ. This is why we can't fall into that temptation that, oh, Christianity is just one of the options. No, it's not. It's the only option. And this makes sense. Because look at what Jesus did. Look at who he is. I mean, he came into this world in a miraculous way. I mean, the virgin birth. I can't explain that biologically. That, that, that is a miraculous entrance into the world. Then, the life that he lived. Oh, my goodness. People that watched Jesus, that, that interacted with him, they thought, who are you? you got to be from God because no one can do what you do. And think about Jesus. He, he, he lived in Israel, this small place. It wasn't even the most powerful uh, government in the world. It was Jews. He never wrote a book. He grabbed like 12 normal dudes, fishermen, tax collectors, just everyday people. He didn't get the smartest, uh, he didn't have the sharpest tools in the the tool shed or whatever. There's some phrase like that, I don't know. Uh, um, You know it better than me, I guess. I just butchered it right there, Jason. Um, But, um, but, you know, he, he got these ruffian guys and changed the world. Why? Because people looked at Jesus and said, man, you are different. And then he died? Every religious leader died. You name them. Every philosopher of this age died. But guess what? There's only one who rose from the dead. And folks, that claim, that moment right there is so massive. It is such a big proclamation that if that is true, there's only one option. Jesus is not just one option in the smorgasbord or buffet of religion. He's the only way to heaven. And this is why Paul writes, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9, look at it. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It's in Christ that we see God. And this is why we can't miss it. It's in Christ that we get a picture of the plan of God for your life. And it's in him, and and verse 10 says, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. How much authority does it say? How much? All rule, all authority. Again, you see the most glaring message of this book. Christ is not just prominent. Christ is preeminent. And and you and I can live on this planet experiencing the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the relationship with God. And this is why I want to say to you, don't you, do you know him? 
Don't you see him? Let's walk with him. Let's experience the benefit of, of walking with the Lord. You know, what does it look like to live in the wisdom of God? You know, you could live in the wisdom of God. And you know, what does it look like? James 1.5 says this. We, we've heard this before. James 1.5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. As I was preparing for this message, I was like, Lord, I pray that we would see your wisdom. God, how do we know, how do I know your wisdom? Well, God gives us wisdom when we take his word seriously. Are you taking God's word seriously right now in your life? Are you just kind of floating through this existence? Or are you turning your face to the wisdom of God? And it's amazing how many of life's questions are answered. And how much direction is found just by turning to the Lord. It's amazing. Um, there, there are some things I don't even have to pray about because God's just spoken about it. Now, in my life, I've had some funny moments. Like as a, when I was a youth minister, I was a youth minister for a long time. I had this dad of one of my students come to me and say, hey, Chris, I was praying about this, and God's told me that I need to upgrade my wife and get a new one. Will you, touch, will you talk to my kids because they may struggle with that? And I looked at him like, what? He goes, yeah, God told me that I need to do this. And I was like, dude, I'm trying to be respectful here, but that might have been the burrito that you ate last night, but that was not God. That was not God. God would never tell you to do that. You know, here's the reality of God's word. You can... His spirit lives in you and he speaks to you, but, but wisdom comes from the word of God. You've got to recognize this, that God will never speak in a way that's contrary to his word. Wisdom comes. Now, you know what else, where else wisdom comes? Not only from God's word, but do you know that wisdom comes from wise counsel? Do you know what I love about our church? Do you know what's here? Wise counsel. I know, I know so many people in the life of our church that live by the word of God. That's wise counsel. And let me tell you something, if you're searching for answers in your life, there's wise counsel around you because I know men and women who are, are not just wise in and of themselves, they know the word of God. And here's the, the beauty of Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear an increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. When Paul says, see to it that you're not deceived, look, benefit from the wise counsel, the godly counsel in your life. You know, Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And you may be walking in the door today going, I don't know if God loves me, or man, I keep, I keep tripping, I keep falling, I keep stumbling through life. And here's the reality, you need wise counsel, godly counsel. And it's right here right around you. You know, God's spirit, like, like this mystery that we see in Colossians, his spirit is in you. Do you realize that God speaks through his word? God speaks through wise counsel. But do you know that God will speak directly to your heart? God will just speak to you. Now, you can discern this. Now, you got to learn how to listen to the Lord. And, you know, I've, my, my pastor used to always tell this story. I think he made it up, but I think it's funny. Um, you know, it's a preacher story, and I don't know if that's a 
real story or a preacher story. I try to tell real stories, but I'm going to give this to Mark Hartman because he always would say this. He said, there's a guy that, that was, would just have this practice of, God, I need you to speak to me. So he'd just take his Bible and he'd open it and he'd just put his finger down and say, God, what do you got to say to me? We did that one time and it got Matthew 27, 5 that says, and Judas went away and hung himself. And he's like, oh, well, maybe I missed that one. And so he thought, I'm going to try again. So he flips it open and does it again. And he came across Luke 3.11, which says, go and do likewise. And so, so you got to learn to read the Word of God in the right way, okay? So you got to be careful with that one. wouldn't recommend it. But, but here's the point. You can tell when God speaks to you, when it matches His Word, when it matches the direction that God has called you to live. Folks, here's here's the point. Paul is saying, look, there are empty philosophies coming your way. There are attacks coming your way. And see to it that you're not duped. See to it that you recognize Christ, you are preeminent. You are Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is your focus today just off? Do you know what God's doing today? Whether you're connecting online or whether you're in this room, it's one of those beautiful moments. And we've all had moments like this if you're a parent. You've had moments when your child wouldn't listen and they're just like, and, and have you ever had one of those moments? They just won't listen. And, and I can remember that happening in my children, and I would grab their face. I'd go, come here, come here, look at me, look at me, look at me, listen to me. You know, I wonder if God's doing that today to you. Maybe your life has just kind of been spinning, and God's going, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa look at me, look at me. Hey, I, I got you. Come to me. Trust me. Let's, let's not miss the joy of getting to walk with the Lord, trust the Lord, serve the Lord. Allow the Lord to just grab you just gently like a loving father, hold your face and say, hey, trust me. Trust me. You know, we're going to, our invitation today, and I, I love invitations because every time God's word speaks and God's spirit is moving, we can't help but respond. And today, Joe is going to lead us in this song that is an old, old song. But it's rich. Its message is so profound. It's called, Be Thou My Vision. And, and as we sing it today as a response to the Lord, would you, uh, would you hang on to every word of this song? Would, would you not just let it flow off your mouth or read it without contemplating or thinking about what's coming out of your mouth? Don't we do that sometimes? We get into a, a mode of, of just robotic mode without thinking, without pausing. This song, Be Thou My Vision, is my prayer for you. 
that Christ would be your vision for your life. Now, some of these words are old words. Some of these words are, you'll know their meaning, but you'll have to think about them a little bit. But allow the Lord. My prayer is that you allow the Lord to be the vision for your life. That you accept his love for you. That you are not deceived by the philosophies that are coming at us. That you recognize, Jesus, you are preeminent. You are the only way to heaven. You are the only source of power and strength for life because everything else is just empty. And if you'll come to Jesus, if you'll trust him with your life, you'll find satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and meaning. And you'll discover a life that's not just kind of meandering through life. You'll discover the joy of walking with the Lord. Man, I don't want you to miss that. I'm going to be down front. And uh, if you need to pray, if you want to pray with me, or, or maybe you seem to come and get on your knees and pray, then I'll be available to you. But what I want us to do, all of us, is to worship as we sing these old words. And would you allow the Lord to be your vision? Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're allowing us to figure out how to connect, to overcome the barriers of online and in person. Lord, I pray that you would keep strengthening us through those challenges. But Lord, today in this moment, I don't want to miss this moment. And if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you as Savior, oh, Father, how can they not see you today? I pray that you would save them today. If there's anybody that's been flirting with just other pursuits, I pray that they would see you today. If there's anybody in this room that is questioning your love for them, I pray that they would discover the permanence and just the completeness of your love. That you, it's not about performance, Lord. Lord, would you speak in this room? Would you lead us today? Would you be our vision? In your name, amen.